Hey, it's a Rock and Roll Bedtime Stories bonus episode. My name's Brian. And hey, it's Murdoch. What's up, everybody? If you've listened to the show over the last few months, you know that we had the privilege of working with the good folks at Danny Wimmer Presents and the Bourbon and Beyond Music Festival. And oh my God, it, it, it came... It saw, it knocked me out. What a great time. And I'm not, just because they were promotional partners, it sounds like I'm blowing smoke, but it's a really well-run music festival. Like, we are in the midst of a summer that was full of catastrophes, uh, from Burning Man to Blue Ridge. Yeah. And, and, you know, Firefest 2 might happen. But this is, you know, these guys put on great festivals, and it was was remarkable. And you and I got to hang out, and we, we got to see... A handful of bands together. It was a blast. Yeah, and I got to watch you. I got to take a picture of you when you freaked out when you realized that the guy playing bass in Blondie was Glenn Matlock from the Sex Pistols. Yeah, my face looks like I, the lysergic <laughs> has hit me, and like I'm starting to trip my face. There's off. a little bit of Macaulay Culkin and Home Alone happening. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> totally, totally freaked out. And and the thing that's amazing about Bourbon and Beyond is that I think the total attendance was, I think it's like one hundred forty thousand or something. I mean, it's so it insane. Make, it so, didn't it didn't feel no. that busy until the night that we went together and Bruno Mars was there. And I was like, I told my wife when I got home, I was like, the thing I forget about Bruno Mars is that, and I don't mean this in a disrespectful way, even though it sounds disrespectful. His he's so big, mm-hmm. he almost doesn't. He almost seems like an algorithm to me. Like the the songs are everywhere yeah. and everybody knows them and it's almost like wallpaper. And it sounds like I'm being disrespectful and I'm not. I really enjoy Bruno Mars. But the songs because a lot of them borrow from Motown and all this sort of stuff mm-hmm. like they they're just everywhere. So I don't even think of him as like a real person. I leaned over to you during the show and I said, "This is like this must be what my, the, like a live Michael Jackson show was like." Well, because it, you know what, the the energy and the fun and the dancing and everything in the songs and everything like it's like I think it probably was better than going to see Michael Jackson. Oh, listen to you throw down the gauntlet because I, I do because he would do like I don't. Yeah, I'll say that it was it was remarkable. But we also got to see some stuff purely in the wheelhouse. I got to see Duran Duran for the first time. Yeah, that's on, your first on Friday. Yeah, had you seen Duran Duran before? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, it was cool. Simon LeBon is still killing it, and you know. It, it was the, the lineup for this festival is really interesting. They did a good job of taking stuff from different time periods that like still made sense next to each other, and so you got Duran Duran into the Killers, which sort of makes sense actually yeah, if you back does. away from it. And you're like, sure. oh, yeah, I, I'd put those bands on a playlist together. And the other cool thing they do with this festival is that these two main stages are right next to each other, and so you get about three to seven minutes of a break between bands. Yeah, there's no bullshit, man. It's right on time. And so <clears throat> I was telling you, Duran Duran finished, and there's no fanfare. They just they put on some music for three to five minutes, and we're sitting there talking, and then all of a sudden, Mr. Brightside starts. Yeah. And that's the killer's move now, is that they open with Brightside. And, it, and there's no... You don't have to like the killer's. That's another song, sort of like Bruno Mars, where it's like that song in particular, so big that you can't not you can't not love it. Yeah, right. In the moment, even if you're like, I hate the Killers, in the moment, it will slap you in the face. And it was it was remarkable. Those guys are, they, they put on a great show. The the one thing that I think most people probably walked away from that this festival that were there specifically that day is they got to see John Baptiste, which, as you pointed out. Very astutely. If he was booked in a theater that had 2,000 seats, wouldn't sell it out. 
No. Because it, people wouldn't know, one, who is he? Yeah. And where have I heard him before? Right. The answers are, I don't know who it is. But he got to play in front of 20,000, 30,000 people and, it, and nailed it. And, you know, I texted you at one point and I was like, dude, you know how obsessed I am with him. This guy has been on my radar for several years. And I have been following what he's doing now because his background, if you don't know, is as a jazz musician and composer. And he, I mean, he's always had a little cheekiness and fun to him. There's a great live record where they're doing an original composition, and in the middle of it, they do like six bars of Spodioti Dopalicious, just the instrumental part by Outcast, and you hear the club react. Like, yeah. people are like, oh, shit, in the background, like what it happens, you know? Um, so he's always had that sort of flair, but in the last three years or so, like basically since COVID, he's taken this sharp turn into creating like this musical cavalcade. Like, I don't know how else to explain it. it yeah. It, it felt like you were, it was a, it was a so, party. I mean, yeah. Like in 21, my favorite album of the year, one of my like, top three was his album freedom. I don't know if I ever talked about it on the show or not, but I was obsessed with that album. My kids got, I had one kid in particular who was like, do not play John Baptiste, John Baptiste in the car. I can't, I can't handle it because I would play it so often. Um, so, and then he just dropped like, Three weeks ago, a month ago, dropped this new record called World Music Radio. And he, and it's for me and you, it's like super fun because he creates it like a radio station. And so there's a DJ the whole time and all the songs weave together. And I mean, everybody from his whole idea was to go out and get people from all across the world to collaborate with him. And so, like, he didn't play much of it in concert. And I knew he wouldn't because so much of it relies on these guest spots. But he's got everybody from like another one of my all time favorite guys right now, John Bellion. To who who wrote and produced a lot of the record with him. To Lil Wayne is on the record. JID, one of my favorite rappers, is on the record. But you've got you've got a woman from from Spain who you've never heard before who sings a whole song in Spanish. Kenny G does a song with John Batiste. Like it is taking every sort of music you can think of and like sort of smashing it together and getting people to collaborate. And his whole thing is like this. He's really veered into this like positivity yeah. and we can heal the world with music and. There was and, a lot of that. And so I was very curious. There was a whole text thread between me and my brother <laughs> before the show. Uh, I thought he was going to make it, and it didn't end up making it, but of like speculating on what this is going to be like. Like, I didn't look for spoilers. I didn't go look at live performances. I had no idea what the live show was going to be like, but I was amped for it. And I wandered and got into the crowd by myself as far and and this was the stage that Bruno was going to be at mm-hmm, yeah. and so at the even early in the evening several sets before it was starting to get too crowded to move because people wanted to be there and so I got right to the edge of the standing room um, which good view of the stage good pretty good spot to see it at but it was pretty congested and what was marvelous is watching this guy come out and win people over because Right as he was coming out, someone goes, "Who is this?" And someone goes, "Oh, it's John Batiste." Like, "Oh, who's that?" You know, like basically what you just said, like mm-hmm. that conversation where you could hear it happening. Yeah. And this guy, like you may remember, in twenty one or twenty two, he won some Grammys, and there was sort of this like similar to when Nora Jones won Grammys, and people were like, "Who is that?" Like there was this reaction where because it was a lot of Grammys, he won a lot, he won like nine Grammys or yeah. something. Because I'm telling you, Freedom is one of the great greatest records of the last decade, and. You know, he's got the awards to prove it, but he has always been sort of behind the scenes and collaborating and working with people. I mean, he's done, he did a, he did a album, a collaboration album with Corey Wong, the guitar player. I mean, he's like, he's just all over the map. And this solo thing he's doing now 
is the most like simultaneously the most mainstream and still super edgy thing he's ever done. And like there's a there's a point in the show where he played the Star Spangled Banner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know people were like, I'm at a music festival and this dude is on stage playing the Star Spangled Banner on the piano. What is happening? He recorded that with with uh, social music, one of his efforts several years ago, probably ten years ago. There's a recorded version of that. Like it's not, like everything had a context, but I honestly don't think they planned what they were going to do on stage. Do you? I don't know. I think it they was, had a very loose outline. Yeah, I, I think that. Yeah, yeah. There was like when he also did "Killing Me Softly," and that seemed to be very organic. I don't think he like planned I on doing it. No, because it was like the song. Like the song had like the whatever you call it, the the timbre, whatever. Like the song had died. There was no like the song was over, whatever it was, and then he started doing that. And I was like, and you, I you're wonder, leaving out I a wonder, key detail, which is while he's crawling around. Forty thousand people. Right. He was. Yeah. He was running. He was around the in audience. the crowd all throughout the crowd. I don't even know how he was moving because you cannot move in that crowd. And he was playing a melodica. If you yeah. do not know what a melodica is, found it out now. It is. It looks like if you've ever seen something, it looks like a toy. Yeah, like a har- harmonium guitar. Weird. It's like a little plastic thing. keyboard with a straw coming out of it. That's yeah. literally what it looks like. And you blow into it, and it makes a noise that is akin to somewhere between a keyboard and a guitar sound. And he used it a lot. He used it on stage, but then he took it into the audience. And at one point he got up on a barrier and he started playing. And then he'd stop and the audience would sing. Yeah. And, and there, I remember at that point thinking like, I wonder if people right now are looking to see his because everyone's like, Oh, I love this song. Because they're either like, oh, I love the Fugees and I love Lauren Hill. Or there's, given the age of people, they're like, oh, man, this is my favorite Roberta Flack song. I mean, I listened to Roberta Flack's Killing Me Softly record today. I mean, that's that's how much of it an impact it had on me. And it was it's hard to explain what this whole experience was like, but I will just basically say that what, what was amazing to watch as a lifelong music obsessive was this stranger coming out and people not really knowing what to make of him, and within about forty minutes, him winning over roughly thirty to forty thousand people, yeah. like just winning them over, palm of his hand, winning them over. And he he slayed. And I saw first aid kit the day before, and there's no way people knew who they were because, like, you've, you've got a special affinity because they're Swedish. They're Swedish, yeah. Taximika. It was crazy. They're like counting off songs. In Swedish versus like counting them off in, in English. Um, but they were great. And like when they started, like people were paying less attention. And then as it kept going, like you could see people were got glued into it. And then I watched Spoon and they were that was you'd never seen spoon before never seen spoon. i had something happen saturday yeah. i couldn't i couldn't make it to spoon spoon is a is a band that i really love and they won me over 10 13 years ago i think it was 2010 that i saw them at a festival mm-hmm. and i was into them but after leaving that i became a much bigger fan and there there's not a lot of bands that that have done that for me, but they're one of them. And so I was really excited to see them again. I still have not seen them, um, but I'm glad you got to see them because they, yeah. they're marvelous live band. Yeah. I felt embarrassed that I hadn't seen them because over 20 years ago, there was a morning show guy I worked with and uh, out of no, like it just out of nowhere one day, it's like, Oh, my favorite band spoon. And it's like, you play 
um, you know, it's like you're playing Lifehouse and Matchbox 20 on the air. Like, this is what we're doing and your favorite band, Spoon. And you were like, and, and my favorite band's Lifehouse? Yeah. And, um, and that's when I was like, wow, that guy's pretty freaking cool. Um, <laughs> so I get to send him a note and be like, oh, man, I saw Spoon in front of a, a lot of people. But anyway, that's, that's Bourbon and Beyond, which is uh, in Louisville, Kentucky, where we're at. We're big on superlatives here, but um, it is true that it's the largest bourbon and rock music festival in the U.S.? It, it It's interesting, too, because there is a whole a side I didn't really explore, but there's a whole bourbon side to this festival, and there's mm, yeah. a podcast that have, is recording episodes throughout, and there were some pretty big names who were involved, you know, to like sort of mid-level TV stars and other people who have come to talk about bourbon, right? Yeah. Metall- Metallica has a bourbon, and, and they have a tent. It'll be there, obviously for louder than life i didn't get to go to that i really wanted to check that out um but yeah it's uh it's pretty remarkable and congratulations to uh, to everybody who got to go uh courtesy of this show and the festival we were happy to be able to make that happen um we had some folks go who told me this was uh the first time they'd ever done a music festival Mm -hmm. and it was courtesy of us which is pretty cool yeah it feels Um, awesome and it was cool too because uh they really had a good time. Like, you know, it's one thing if they, it's like, oh, I don't know about this music festival thing. And I think that they were a little bit hesitant and they got out there like, yeah, we'll try anything. And they got out there and were like, this was amazing. We're so glad we did it. Got to see the Black Crows, a band that um, actually it was real hit heavy. I, you know, a lot of times the Black Crows don't play the hits. Yeah, I've seen them without the hits. Yeah, I've seen them without the hits too. And they played them all uh, in the set that I saw. They played in the middle of the set. They played hard to handle into she talks to angels and then they later ended with remedy into jealous again. Yeah. So I do um, want I do want to remind you and everyone that's listening that the black crows did a tour with Jimmy page and they played Led Zeppelin songs and then they played black crow songs like that happened. I forgot about that. Yes, you did. It's that, that happened and it's like sober Jimmy page, you know, it's like fantastic. I have this weird. They played ten years gone. Like they played, they played songs that like they don't play on the radio. You know, they also did a tour with Oasis called the Brotherly Love Tour. Uh huh. Yeah, <laughs> they did. I don't know if you've listened to our episode about Oasis, but the Brotherly Love—that's so uh, yeah, not really all that present in that yeah. relationship. But so next weekend we've got Louder Than Life, which apparently after last year is the largest rock festival in the United States. And it's a lineup where I just, you and I keep looking at it. I'm like, they're going to be there. Like I, it's almost overwhelming in the idea of like, I don't know how to see everybody that I want to see. There's more stages that it's bigger in terms of the amount of acts and time than, than, uh, than bourbon and beyond. And it does. I mean, it's really rock focused. So they just invest. So sort of the bourbon side of it goes away and there's just more stages. Oh, you can still buy bourbon. Yeah, well, it's Kentucky. You can buy bourbon at the grocery store. So, you know, yeah. it's uh, you're not going to have trouble finding that. And we do have, I know we have listeners going to that. Super excited. Yeah. Um, shout out to Elvin, who I know is uh, en route this week to, yeah. to come hang out in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, and uh, everybody going, it, it's going to be good. We'll, we'll look for you. Come say a, hi if you see us. A lot of people I talked to from out of town had a question that was great, which was... Um, what's up with these bourbon slushies? And I had to go, yeah, man, that we have those, uh, 
Yeah, you don't every, have those every day. We have those every day. Like it's, it's not like a special festival, no, like frosty no. treat. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a barbecue place that people love here. Yeah, that's sort of hipsterish, but they have they're like known partly for having those. Yeah, and um, that's what we make on Derby Day. We make bourbon slushies. Yeah, I mean, basically any slushy becomes a bourbon. You were you were drinking a slushy when you came in to record tonight, and mm. I I said wasn't a bourbon slushy. It wasn't a bourbon slushy, but I was talking about putting alcohol in slushies and told you the story about how when I was in high school and I worked at a fast food drive through, we sold slushies and people would have me they I'd be handing them the largest slushy we had and they'd be like, Hey, can you pour some of that out? And I'd be like. Why would you want to do that? And they'd be like, shh, dude, just pour some of it out. <laughs> it took me literally a long time yeah. to realize, oh, they're going to pour something in when I pour some stuff out. Yeah. It. It's kind of cool. You actually had a Sonic. We just would go and buy sun drops and pour part of it out <laughs> so we could pour whiskey in. That was it. Sun drop, uh, add whiskey. That's actually the inspiration for Thin Lizzy's Whiskey in a Jar is sun drop. <laughs> Hey, if you want to get involved with the show, it's wearethestoryguys at gmail.com. And we'll be back with a review of Louder Than Life uh, next week. We'll tell, you, we'll tell you what we saw and how much fun we had and uh, how much bourbon we watched other people drink. That's right. All right. Uh, until next time, what should people keep doing? Keep telling stories. <laughs>